Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast and Network, our post-game edition. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of State of the Nation is Visa, a network working for everyone. And on our Black Friday and Cyber Monday, you can get all of the Athletic's great writing and podcasts for just $1 a month for 12 months. Starting at 2 p.m. on Monday, you can go to theathletic.com slash state of the nation to lock in our very best price of the year. The offer ends at midnight on Monday, November 29th, just $1 a month for new subscribers. And you're going to want to subscribe to read everything about this game on Sunday. Man, just another just complete ugly performance, flat performance. Derek Carr, you know what? He, he, he was ready to acknowledge this one. This one was flat, 32-13 to 13 loss to the Bengals. A game that, you know, their defense kept in, in it for a while. And the offense just, this is a terrible offense right now. Uh, there, there's really no way of sugarcoating it. They look bad. They don't really have any a receiving core to speak of. You know, and we know the elephant in the room is that they've looked really bad since having to release Henry Ruggs after his car accident they did get darren waller more involved in this one but they have zero identity on offense yeah this is really hard you know kind of saw it playing out coming into it I, I thought their defense would be able to play well enough to to keep them in it you know into that fourth quarter I, I would say the defense played pretty well they did have some issues on third downs and just getting off the field but you know the offense uh, i just have zero confidence in that group right now i mean it, you know they couldn't run the ball which has been an issue all year the receiving core just isn't the same even though Waller was still involved, you know, he's still only one man. And, you know, another issue is Carr has been turning the ball over. You know, he, he had kind of avoided that early on in the season. And that was a big issue for him last year with all the, the lost fumbles. But really in the last few games, that's come up, come up big for him. Um, so not only has the offense, you know, been an ineffective when it comes to putting the points on the board, but now they're, they're giving away possessions and, and putting their defense in, in disadvantageous situations. And so they're just in a real bad place on the side of the ball right now. I agree. Wonderful breakdown. That, that, that's, that's Ted Wynn quality research there. If I had to add to it, I would just say that, I mean, you know, Carl's obviously in a bad mood. He's kind of bitter uh, afterwards. He mentioned how he's been a Raider fan for 20 years. He's fed up with it. And, you know, they're flat and all this stuff. And he had a sarcastic remark, like, at least we can you know, check the box by throwing the ball on the wall, which I guess was a shot. At the, at the media, but but he doesn't he doesn't read he doesn't read what you guys are writing right he doesn't pay attention to the outside noise come on I'll say they didn't throw the ball to Waller enough he had four targets in the first three quarters four catches and the Bengals linebackers and watching the safeties that try to use them against him not very good I mean there's no reason why he couldn't have a bigger day I know they went to him that that one drive where they had the three plays it was like boom to Waller boom to Waller boom to the Moreau touchdown 
where is that earlier in the game? I know you look at different looks and you say you've got the right look in that moment, but I just think that uh, you got to trust your star player more. And this offense is, they can't run the ball. They got to stop doing that. And their offensive line is just not built for it. I think, I think John Green knew that early on. You can ask why they threw the ball 45 times a game the first three wins. I think you got to just force the ball to Waller and let them, let them go. I, I don't think they finished with seven catches and eight targets. Not enough for this offense. He's the, he's the only guy right now that can beat people, whether he's double covered or, you know, bracket coverage, whatever. Uh, and it sounds like I'm, you know, maybe his agent, but I'm just saying from watching this team and this offense, to me, that's the only answer. I think the only game at this point is uh, it's not going to happen. So I think you got to, Stop trying. Forget about offensive balance. Just throw the ball. If not, if I'll say this, I'll say Thursday, cut it loose against the Cowboys. Nothing to lose. And if you don't, if you can't, if you still, if the offense still stinks, then the fans will get their, will get their say. I think it's time for Marcus Mariota to step in there. So I think this is kind of like a, for me at least, this is the last ditch effort coming on Thursday. The offense is starting to see the effects of losing Gruden. And I know, like, you know, there's some fans that don't like his situational play calling, but, you know, Gruden was one of the, the better play designers, play callers in the league. I, I thought whenever I watched the game, I, I always thought, you know, three, four plays where I thought it was a really clever design, but I haven't seen any of that in the last few weeks. It just looks like they don't really have a great plan for how to attack certain styles of defenses. And I can't see all 22 from the TV copy, but, you know, from what I've seen, I just don't see a ton of guys open downfield and, Part of that is because they, their receiving talent is, you know, has taken a big hit. But part of that is just play design as well. I just don't see these guys getting open. And, you know, when your only weapon really is is Darren Waller, it, it's pretty tough. And one thing I think that they need to do more is play action. It feels like every time they, they do play action, they hit a pretty sizable gain from it. But they don't do it enough, especially early on. And it just allows linebackers to kind of tee off on the running game. And they don't block well enough, so they just need whatever help they can. And uh, play action could help, but there's no identity. Receivers can't get open, and they're not getting a ton of help from play designs. And this is the result. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing I struggle with is that we can all acknowledge that losing Henry Ruggs on the field is a big loss for them. But, I mean, a few months ago, a couple months ago, we were talking about this receiving core as as having some nice depth, as being good enough that a guy like John Brown says, no, I want out, I'm, I'm going to, you know, give me my release, I'll go somewhere else. And losing one guy can be big, obviously, but in the NFL, I mean, that happens. Injuries, whatever, different situations. And for them to go from us thinking that highly of the receiving group before Ruggs is cut to suddenly, like, Brian Edwards disappears. Zay Jones has done nothing. You know, Hunter Renfro makes his, you know, couple plays a game but I mean like Hunter Renfro we all know he's a nice piece but he's not a guy that can carry an offense he can you know make some nice plays on third down and the reds on all that but he's not a guy that carries the offense I mean the fact that you have not seen Edwards and Jones be able to step up and, and kind of show anything is, is a bad sign to me I mean and especially Edwards I mean here's a guy that going into a second year third round pick we thought he could be a big piece for them and this was his opportunity to show it and in the last three weeks he's not shown it yeah, I'm saying Edwards uh, surprised me a little bit just because, you know, he had been pretty effective early in this season. You know, he wasn't getting as many targets um, as the other guys. But, I mean, he was up there with Ruggs in terms of, you know, yards per catch average, uh, you know, leading the league. I think he was top five at, at one point. And so you kind of would think with more volume would come more success. But really, 
Um, it hasn't for him. And so you kind of wonder a little bit, was it was some of his success a product of, you know, defense is not paying that much attention to him um, and leaving him in some more of those one-on-one situations. And maybe he's not seeing as much of that anymore now. And Zay Jones, like, you know, I mean, he's, he's like an average NFL receiver. It's not wowing me that he's not, you know, going crazy with production. Uh, Hunter Renfro, like you said, he's more of an underneath intermediate guy. He's, he's not going to be killing guys deep down the field. But when it comes to uh, Deshaun Jackson, I think, you know, I think Versace said he played more snaps today, but it just doesn't seem like they're really getting him all that involved in, in, in the passing game. You would think with, you know, how Edwards and Jones are struggling, I mean, you might as well try it. You know, I mean, he can't be any worse than, you know, next to nothing, you know, what they've been getting out of their receiving court. Um, so I wonder, you know, you figure two weeks in, a veteran guy like him, a guy who's been familiar with the system, like I, don't, I wouldn't think like having a knowledge of the system would still be an issue for him at this at this point. So. You know, I don't think that will, that will solve their problems by any means. I, I do agree with Vic, you know, leaning more into the tight ends. Um, you know, Waller and Moreau's, you know, kind of should be the focal point of their passing game. But, I mean, at this point, you might as well throw Jackson out there and see if he can do a better job. I was going to play late, and I think it was the first half where uh, he had one-on-one covers on the outside, and they, didn't, they had a chance to take a shot with Deshaun Jackson. They didn't do it. So, I just, I mean, and Rich said that he's not involved in a two-minute offense because he doesn't know those plays quite yet, which I think is also – I mean, there's got to be one play you can give the guy in a two-man offense. I just think that, that you brought him in for a Run reason. Run fast. Go straight. Yeah, you brought him in for a reason. They haven't used that reason yet. And Edwards, I'll have to watch the film, but I don't know if the corner that he was that was on him did a great job. He had no targets today, which is definitely alarming. But, um, I mean, listening to Sean and, and all our analysis, it sounds like it's uh, it's almost time for, uh, for Dylan Stoner to get a shot. I think part of the reason is, you know, these guys do have some skills, but they have very specific skill sets, like, you know, they're not complete receivers. Brian Edwards is a, a jump ball type of big receiver, big body type of guy. Hunter Renfro, we know what he does. He's not a guy that's going to get a bunch of explosive passes. And Deshaun Jackson's a deep ball winner. So, you know, with those type of receivers, you need scheme to help them. You got to put them in the right situation. You got to find the right matchups. They're not guys where you just line them up against any corner and say, beat this, win, win this one-on-one. They're just not built like that. And right now, you know, they're not getting put in situations where their skill sets are being utilized correctly, I think. And, you know, it's not easy to do that. You know, it's not easy to scheme up things when your receiving talent is this limited. But at the same time, you know, I think we saw some of that with Gruden and we're not seeing that right now. Let's talk a little bit about Derek Carr. Um, Vic, you referenced him, you know, kind of being pretty pissed off, not in a great mood. And quote from him after the game, you know, being a Raider fan for a long time, 20 years of this crap is enough. I'm fed up. I just want to be a part of the moment. It changes. I want that so bad. And I think a lot of fans are going to read that quote, hear that quote, and kind of nod along with the fact that, yeah, you know, I, I've I've had enough of this crap. I've had enough of this 20 years. And then see the part about I want to be around for when this changes, be a part of this changing. They might put some correlation there. At this point, we all know it's a huge topic for this team going into the offseason. Do you commit to Derek Carr or do you move on? And the last three games are providing only points of evidence that it may be time to move on from Derek Carr. Certainly providing points of evidence that this whole coaching staff is likely to be gone. You know, after they won those first two games with Bisaccia, it was, hey, ride the momentum, get to the playoffs, keep him around maybe. Or maybe Gus Bradley earns earns his way. What we're seeing right now on the field only points to the fact that this could be an offseason where we see a, a lot of things blown up. You know, in the first few games, we saw a, a different Derek Carr, a, a Derek Carr that looked like the type of quarterback that could lift up a team and elevate a team. 
And in the last few games, you know, I, I don't think he's been that bad. I just think that when I watch the games, I just don't see that many opportunities. But at the same time, you know, you expect an elite quarterback to kind of lift an offense up. And I just don't think he's that type of quarterback. But he's still in that kind of fringe top 10, outside of the top 10, tier two type of quarterback. But it's just um, if he's in a right situation, I think he'd play really well. The Raiders don't have that situation to support him. Yeah, right now the offense I would say is more of a comprehensive failure than you know Carr all of a sudden playing terribly the last three games. But you know it's just kind of an example of you know the narrative that there is you know a ceiling when he's your quarterback. You know if things aren't completely optimal around him, and you know even to start the year they they weren't optimal. But like as you said, he he was overcoming them. Um, but it just wasn't something that was sustainable. We said that then, and obviously that's is coming to fruition now. So things have changed. Of course, obviously with Gruden and Rugs no longer being around, um, that nobody could have really accounted for back then. But I think the same thing holds true. I, I've kind of viewed it, you know, whether you're looking at the coaching staff or, or Mike Mayock or Derek Carr, it's really just felt like a playoffs or bust year across the board. If you don't make it through, breakthrough in what would have been, you know, uh, you know, John Gruden's fourth year, it feels like there's some significant changes that need to be made. Obviously, it's a lot bigger change than, than we first saw coming into this this year that would result from it. But I, I think you might as well hit the reset button if, if, if you don't. You know, if you aren't able to salvage the season and make it to the playoffs, I don't really see a, a point of running it back and, and keep kind of pounding your head against the wall when and you've seen for quite a few seasons now that this isn't going to work. I think there's still hope. I, I mean, I'm not ready. I know everyone's doom and gloom, and I, I usually end the way myself, but I think the defense showed enough again today. Like, definitely, I mean, that pass rush is, is legitimately a force. I think they kind of lead this team, and they were, you know, they played great. They got tired at the end because the time of possession was like two to one. I think those last couple of scores are really based on the exhaustion, but I think they, the pyramid was all over the place. The, the nice job of coverage, the, the DBs, I thought they, I think the defense is good enough where if the offense can get a little, a little better, get a little, not, not quite the way they were, but just get a little better, uh, they can still win some games. And, and this, the AFC is wide open. I mean, the Titans lost at home to the Texans. The Bills got blown out at home. I mean, I know it sounds like it's over, but at five and five, they're still in this. They just got to, and there's still enough positive things going on defense where I think you just got to try some things, like I said, drastically and often. I think you got to stop running the ball. I think you got to take cars and say, look, that touchdown drive where you threw the ball in the wall or twice in a row, just do that. Like, do that until they stop and don't worry about something else. I just think, like, with him, it's always been a case of his, you know, his confidence and his comfortable ability with those guys, like the crabs. You see guys he trusts, and apparently he doesn't have that trust with Edwards. That's not there, apparently. Like, I mean, for some reason – I mean, or else, like, again, I know we're going to dominate today. But Until you get into fine. overtime. he Suddenly, if he gets into an overtime game, he suddenly trusts them. Well, yeah, I don't know if the, if the coverage today was great on him. I, I haven't watched that, that part of the, the film yet. But it just seems like, clearly, he has to have confidence in guys. He has to have time in the pocket to make plays and be that aggressive version of himself, which fans love when he's going great. And obviously, there's a dark side of Derek when he's not feeling that. You see the confidence take a hit, and then he's moping around and saying things in the press conference like he did today. So I just think that... He was really good not too long ago. There should be enough weapons in this team with Waller and even Jacobs out of the backfield and Drake out of the backfield. Don't, don't run the ball, but throw him the ball. If they go to a quick offense, just like a quick dink and dunk and get things going with the Renfro in his backs and just be a completely a passing team that you were early on, I just still hope that they can turn around and still be a factor in, in the playoff race. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're – you know, around a 500 team and conference that looks the way it looks now. I mean, like obviously they're not out of it yet. You know, you know, they're still on it. You know, from a technical standpoint, 
Um, you just kind of wonder with, with some of the issues with them being as consistent as we've seen so far, like what's going to change you know, in terms of you know, running the game and being ineffective, the offensive line being kind of up and down, the, the receiving core not being that good. You know, I, I don't think they were ever like great on offense this season, but even like just being a solid or to good offense like they were early in the year. I don't know if they can even get back there. Obviously, you know, matchups matter what, what team you're going against, uh, you know, and all of that. But it's just it's kind of hard to imagine the, the switch kind of flipping this late in the season. And yeah, I mean, I agree that like hope is not like lost in terms of this being a playoff season. But I also kind of look at this from a big picture, long term view is nine and eight and getting into the playoffs in a, in a crappy conference. OK, that's that's cool. You get to play in a playoff game. But I mean, what's what's the long term vision? What's what's the view here in terms of building yourselves in? They're not a contender. They're not going to go to the AFC title game. They're not going to make it to the Super Bowl. And I know that the bar for the Raiders, just the, the bar that they've set over the years is, is, I guess, reasonably low because they've only had that one playoff appearance really in the last 20 years. But if you're building a team, you're trying to build a team that you think can can win big, can be a consistent contender. And that's where I look at this team and say, like, even if they find a way to, you know, get the offense back rolling a little bit, get to nine and eight, you know, and sneak into the playoffs. Like, that's not enough for me to to not want to blow it up, honestly. I mean, I I said it last week that, uh, you know, I think no matter what, moving on from Basaccia, moving on from this coaching staff is probably the thing to do. And this is more evidence that I say, like, no matter what happens, this team can make the playoffs. And I still don't think you should bring back this coaching staff. I think the only argument maybe would be that obviously, you know, between Gruden resigning and, and the rug situation and the Arnett situation, like maybe they felt like they would have been that, you know, contending type team. You know, I mean, they were three and oh, at one point, they were five and two at one point. Like, if you do bring in a new coach, everything is they're going to want to build the team in their image. There are going to be changes anyway. And so it's kind of hard to, like, there is no going back. You know, they can't reset, go back to, you know, how things were before. Um, even if it seemed like it was going to go well. And so it kind of puts them in a tricky in-between spot where if it does end up working out, they might be able to talk themselves into, no, like, you know, we were on a certain trajectory this season, shit happened, like, with running back next year. There is some room for that. Um, I just don't know how, like, practical it would be in, in terms of the results moving forward. I think the goal is to pair a quarterback with a play caller and, you know, you want that continuity and you want to have a good partnership in that area for a long time and I, we we started seeing a little bit of it with with you know how Carr was playing early in the season and it all kind of got wrecked and i i mean if you're going to keep a coach long term you know I, I think bradley is a guy that deserves it just because of how well i think the defense has been playing and especially how bad the defense has been you know if we're talking long-term future you know maybe you hire a, a offensive guy and you know you keep bradley around but I agree. I just I don't see this interim staff being one that you can win with long term unless they start playing at like a pretty absurdly high level, finish off the season. But just based on what we see, even if they do make the playoffs, it's, they're probably just going to like eke into it. And I just don't see how at this point you could say that th- this staff is going to be, you know, the, the long term solution. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. My only hesitation, I mean, like I said, I've said a couple weeks now that I, you know, move on from the staff and all that. My one hesitation there to play devil's advocate is who has faith in the kind of coaching search that Mark Davis would run, right? I mean, how in-depth have his coaching search has been? You're saying they're doomed no matter what. No matter what happens, <laughs> Raider fans, you are doomed. This year, long-term, new coach, old coach, it's you're screwed. Forget about it. Mark needs to have somebody that like is that can be respected, that can be trusted to kind of run that coaching search. And who is that? So like I think they need a new coach. I think they need to, to turn it all over, find a new direction. But um, I have to admit that I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in them properly being able to kind of find that new direction. Do you think that the Raiders are is an attractive job? Yeah, definitely. I mean, a brand new stadium in Las Vegas. You got a, a fan base that's fired up. I mean, there's some there's some talent. I mean, the roster changes so much every year, and whoever it is, new or old coach, has to decide, or new GM has to decide on Derek Carr's future. You got to pay him. He's got one year left on his deal. So that's the really for me the first decision has to be made. But with anything else, before the new coach, before the new GM, if that's a guy you're gonna like tie yourself to for another four or five years and give him the whatever it costs now, 150, 200 million dollars it costs for you know top 15 quarterback. So that's why you know these last seven games are, are huge for him. So like I said, I'll go back to the the AFC is ugly. So I don't I mean I still can't go to the Titans where the everyone thought they were the best team in the best team in the conference. They got blown out of home by Tyrod Taylor and the Texans. So that's much worse than this loss. I mean, so I still think it's a short week. Dallas is good, but you never know. I just think that they have a chance. The defense is good enough to give this team hope still. I hope, I mean, I'll write this. I hope Basaccia and Greg Olsen don't just try to go back to the same thing. Hey, let's keep trying this and get the run game going. Look at balance. I mean, forget about balance. Balance is the old, outdated concept. Just to do what it takes to win the game, this team has to throw the ball because the offensive line is not good enough to run the ball against, you know, even decent, not great defenses, but even decent defenses, stop this team and get past his offensive line. So they got to do something not drastic, but they got to make some big changes for Thursday's game. Or if not, then I say then you push through the red button and, and go to Mariota because I think, like Deshaun and I, I'm, I'm kind of rambling, but Deshaun and I were talking after the game about, like, he's right, the whole offense is struggling. Not just Derek Carr, the whole offense is struggling. So, but how do you fix all of that? And maybe you can't. So you got to try – the only drastic measure that you can try a different offense, and he's shown last year against the Chargers, you can't provide the sparks. Maybe you have to go that route because you can't fix the whole thing. You got to try, you know, certain things that may trigger a spark. So I, I think, to me at least, if they lose to the Cowboys, 
on Thursday, and the offense is still you know stagnant. It's time for a desperate measure. You got to at least start using Marriott in the red zone because the red zone offense has been so bad in the last few weeks that, you know, you got to try, try something else. And, you know, you, you have that Mariota package in, they've been working on it since the off season. I guess we've talked about it a little too much, but maybe that will help spark your red zone offense a little bit. I also want to see a little more hurry up offense too. I mean, one of Carr's strengths is supposed to be his ability to read defenses. So let, let them get in a hurry up. That way defenses don't get a chance to get set and call the, all these exotic type of blitzes or whatever. Let them call some offense at the line of scrimmage and, you know, start changing the pace a little bit. And then maybe that will spark the offense. Um, but I just right now what they're doing is just it's not working. We haven't talked much specifics about this game, but let's talk one of those is that the defense gets a turnover. Unique Ngakwe with the sack, forces the fumble. Dallin Levitt, big play Dallin Levitt, um, returns it to the nine. And it was almost like... That screwed the Raiders because their red zone offense has been so terrible, one of the worst in the league. And the first time they get the ball, they're at the nine-yard line. They're straight in the red zone. And three plays, three terrible plays. Okay, we kick a field goal. We're up 3 nothing. Cool. And it's like a big play by your defense, a turnover. You get points on offense. You can't even be excited about it because it, it's you should feel deflated because it was you start your first drive after a turnover at the nine-yard line. You have to find a way to punch it in for a touchdown. Yeah, as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> it was just like a, a sign that the offense was still in this funk that they've fallen into for the past three games. And the defense gave them opportunity after opportunity, you know, particularly in the first half, to really take control of that game early and jump out to a big lead, which has been something that they've struggled to do so mightily throughout this entire season and just keep falling into these early deficits and trying to fight uphill. And eventually, you know, that, that method's not going to work for you. And so... You know, again, we said it over and over. You know, the defense—they they did break down late in the game. You know, they're not absolved of blame for like the run defense collapsing and uh, some of the terrible penalties that they had um, on third downs, in particular. Uh, Unique Gakwe had the roughing the passer early in the game. Uh, Quentin Jefferson jumped off sides that led to another score. They had a couple of defensive pass interference down the field, so the defense made their their fair share of mistakes as well. But I think just the root of all that this this team struggles is just all circles back to the offense just going from being a pretty solid unit to being one that's inept, you know, pretty much no matter who they're going against. Um, you know, you got to give credit to the teams they've gone against, obviously the Giants, the Chiefs, and uh, the Bengals, but I wouldn't say any of those defenses are, like, just the most incredible defense in the league that you should struggle struggle so mightily against, and they look pretty pathetic against all of them. And so um, you have to wonder moving forward, their schedule looking how it's, how it's looking. Um, it, it would take a pretty drastic turnaround for this offense to get things going. To me, the worst part about that first possession was not that they didn't get a touchdown, but they didn't even try. They didn't take any shots in the end zone. The play calling, for some reason, they had Peyton, is Peyton Barber like a red zone specialist? Not here the first carry of the game, three yards. They threw one to the left to Waller, and they threw incomplete to Jacobs. All game was sideways pass. And just too many sideways passes. I mean, they came out tight against the Chiefs. I thought they came out tight today. Derek said flat, but uh, they got to be in attack mode. They got to, like, I just don't know. The offense just has to be more aggressive. I don't know if that's on Derek or on, on Olsen or Versace, but they have to do something, like I said, a little drastic to get this going because the same old, you know, let's keep we practice well and it's really good in practice and it's going to, it's not, it's not working. We got to do, so you got to change the, change the script because obviously uh, they're in a rut and whatever they're doing is not working. 
Come on, Vic. Win, lose, or draw. Those guys are showing up at the. They're showing up the next day at the uh, at the facility, and they're getting those their things treatment. Kill me they're working it's like... hard. Come on, man. They're working hard. Win, like, lose, or draw. It's like, what else are they gonna do? Are they gonna not come to the building? <laughs> are they just gonna stay at home. <laughs> And if I write a bad story, if I do a bad podcast, I'm I'm just I'm dialing it in for the next week or so. I'm just not doing anything. I'm just. Well, I guess you had guys on last year's team getting like French toast and in the morning instead of going to practice and not going to weight room. Like I don't know what they're doing last year, but I just love it. every year they blame the last year. They go last year's guys were freaking lazy. Yeah, but again, I mean, I think you know they've shown that they have better leadership this year. Again, I, I think yeah. the, the defensive, well, the defense at least defense. Um, Every week they show up. So I think the offense is problems. And again, at some point you hope that, you know, the blame game doesn't start where the defense is like, hey, man, the offense, you guys are killing us. And you start to fracture your team a little bit. So far it hasn't. But you wonder if this keeps up. At some point, I mean, defense is playing well enough they should win these games. So I just think, um, at least in their part, the leadership and the work ethic is definitely paid off. All right, one other game specific I want to talk about before we start to get out of here is, you know, Vic, I know you were t- talking to some of the guys about it. Third and six. And Derek Carr, uh, who checks into a run play, and you could you could see him like he he calls the check, and then he kind of you know says something to Darren Waller, and you see Darren Waller kind of from off in that wing, all right, kind of repositions himself. I'm not gonna try to read too much into like the body language that I see on TV, but I could almost feel an eye roll in Darren Waller's head as he repositioned, knowing that 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 there was checked into a run play. And it was a run play that went nowhere and a just completely useless third and sixth play that leads to another punt. And they don't lose the game because of one play, because of one audible. But it, it was overall, it was a questionable offensive game plan day. And that was one that stood out. Well, I asked Eric about it. He said they've done it before at times and it's worked. So I need Ted to go back and research all the films for third and six runs that worked. But he says, obviously, it looks bad when it doesn't work. He said that was. Close to being a big play, and I think he also said that those are the kind of plays where John will tell him, "Hey, man, just do it." And if you get booed out, the boos are on me, not you. So they want Derek, Derek to read the things and make changes. So boo John Gruden for that play. Boo John Gruden from his house. It's not a high percentage play call, regardless. But if you're a team that can't run the ball, a third and six run play seems awfully ambitious. So I just think uh, there are a lot of bad signs in this game, a lot of bad you know, moments. Like, ooh, that, this team is not. It's not fixed what needs to be fixed. Uh, and that was definitely one of those moments where, like, this is not going to end well today. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like they have much confidence on offense right now. I mean, getting that, you're at the nine yard line and you're throwing like horizontal swing passes, third and six, you're running the ball. It's like they're just really tight, and, like, safe and scared to make mistakes. And it's ironic because they're making way more mistakes. Like, they have seven turnovers since the bye. They only had five, five turnovers um, before the bye. It's almost like they're, I won't say they're playing scared, but it's just like, it's just like they lack confidence out there. Going back to the run call, I, I think what he's talking about, you, you know, we've seen a few third downs in the past where they would do like a toss to Jalen Richard or something and it would go for like a big touchdown. So I, I think that's what he's talking about when it's worked in the past. And usually when those calls are made is because like coaches are telling the quarterbacks, if we see this look, we want to check into this run because we think that it could pop. And that's probably what happened. And it, Obviously, it didn't pop, so yeah, it looks really bad. So I, I wouldn't put that call directly uh, on Carr. I'm, I'm assuming that's a game plan thing. But yeah, like you guys said, if you guys can't run block, then you have to not just take into account the look the defense is giving you. You got to give, you know, take into account the type of personnel you have. So that's just another example of I just just questionable game plan type of things that 
you know, I, I don't know can be fixed fixes here. I mean, even on some of the third and one today, it seemed like, you know, it was like, it seems like a, a mile, a long yard. So imagine third and six, they probably average, what, three and a half yards a carry? That's that's a lot to ask for a team averaging three and a half yards a carry to get six. So I just think, again, they have to really take a step back, look at themselves. Like I was saying, by week, you know, self-analyze and, you know, be harsh on yourself. And they need to go in tonight. If they, if they meet tonight with Versace and the offensive guys, look, we can't run the ball. Let's forget about it. It's, we're not going to even we'll, we're not even going to try anymore. Josh Jacobs is now he's a receiver, and uh, Ken Drake's a receiver. We're going to go five wide, you know, like you said, uh, up the tempo, no huddle, and they, they got to do something. They can't they can't bring the same mess out here again on Thursday. And if you're going to run a fly sweep, don't give it to Brian Edwards. That's not the guy to give it to. You want a guy that runs under, you know, you want a guy that runs. The- Four three or something like that. Running like Renfro, you want well, Renfro to get it instead? They had a quota. Every receiver was supposed to get, you know, an end around, a fly sweep. And Zay Jones was probably mad. He was like the only receiver. Well, I guess Dylan Stone or two. He was, but Zay was like the only receiver that, that didn't get a uh, didn't get his chance to get a carry. So the receivers had three they had three carries and six catches on the day. That's a pretty crazy stat. How about that? Oh, boy. We've got to talk briefly about the Cowboys game on Thursday. We will not have a show. Obviously, normally we record our shows every week on Thursday, and uh, Thursday is Thanksgiving. The Raiders will be playing. So this serves as uh, as our mini preview for Raiders-Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Um, Raiders are seven-point underdogs on the early line, despite the fact that the Cowboys uh, lost today, did not look great in their loss to the Chiefs. Who The Chiefs, they're going to be the number one seed in the AFC by the end of this whole thing, the way the AFC is so muddled and they're, they're starting to pick it up. Um, and the, the Cowboys will not have Amari Cooper, who's on the reserve COVID-19 list, and uh, figure that they will not have their other top receiver, C.D. Lamb, who suffered a concussion on Sunday, and likely that should keep him out. Um, don't, don't expect him to be able to get clear by Thursday. So they will not have two of their top receivers, and yet they are seven-point under. They are seven-point favorites against the Raiders on a short week. It's it's a tough game, you know, to, to go play, you know, in front of uh, all the bright lights of a, of a Thanksgiving game in uh, in Dallas. Yeah, I'll tell you guys right now. I'm uh, we usually get our experts picks. We're going to make them Tuesday. I, I will be picking the Cowboys. I just, I just feel like in, in, a, in a short week, the way that the offense has looked, going against a substantially better team on the road, I just – and even with the receivers being out, I mean, the, the Cowboys have been one of the most effective teams, when it, uh, you know, efficiency-wise when it comes to running the ball. They, they may get creative with their personnel packages. Um, Kellen Moore, the Raiders have been terrible at stopping the run. The Bengals just did it, dominating the time of possession. Um, even if the Cowboys passing game isn't what it has been, um, I just see them, all right, we're just going to run down your throats and control the clock and do the same thing that the Bengals just did, essentially. It's kind of tough to see the, the Raiders pulling this one out. The Cowboys losing to you know, the Broncos a couple weeks ago did kind of give me a little cause for pause and see how they, they played out, but I, I'm just not too not too confident in this Raiders offense right now. And Vic Fangio really puffed up his chest after that one, like he had solved the Cowboys, and uh, he was he was so proud of himself. And he, he, I think he elevated himself on the all, on the All Vic rankings, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, think about it. the AFC West owns the Cowboys, so. <laughs> and uh, I, the, the Chargers lost to them three and one. So you're picking the Raiders. Picking the Raiders to cover the spread. They're going to lose by uh, less than seven. This but, shit. Uh, uh, man, I'm, I'm in Vegas. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about the spread. Wins and losses are secondary. It's all about the spread. No, I think they're going to lose the game, but I do think they'll be close. I think if you're the Cowboys, you got, you know, short week. You got the Thanksgiving meal now with the family. You got to push them back to nighttime. 
Look at the Raiders' tape. We're not worried about the Raiders. They'll be overconfident. You mentioned they only have their two top receivers. That's a big factor. So I think the Raiders will have a, they'll have a shot. I think they'll have to win the game. Actually, they, can, they can't pull it off, I don't think. But I think it'll be a close game. So they're going to be like Denzel Perryman tonight. They're going to be talking about their dinner reservations after the game? Exactly. I think we are. <laughs> I wonder where he was going. What, 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 where he, uh, where his dinner reservation was tonight? You can't watch the film of the Raiders team the last few weeks and be all worried. You can't be like, oh, we got to really – no, you're like, dude, these guys stink. So I, I can't imagine the Cowboys would be too worried about him. So I think it's like if the Raiders make some changes in offense, the defense is good enough to keep them in game. So I think it'll be a close game. I'm going 28-14 Cowboys. Oh, not doing No it. analysis needed. 28-14 Cowboys. No confidence in this Raiders offense right now. I just picked the Raiders to win. It's outright. <laughs> Is it going to be one of your upset wow. specials, Vic? Uh, how, how are the picks going for you this year, Vic? Uh, oh, if you want to talk bad. about the uh, last week, you went 0-5 right in your, uh, in your pick five. It, it, those are his pick in his pick five picks. Those are like the five that got the most confidence in. <laughs> Over Vic went 5 <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, man. Like I said, it's, it's a tough year, man. I'm, I'm like, how do you, who picks the Texans over the Titans? Well, actually, I did today. I picked the Texans to cover the spread. So it's a tough season, man. I just think, uh, I don't know. I mean, again, I, I, it all depends. If I, if I had any confidence that the staff could make some changes by Thursday, uh, like the big changes, then I would actually pick the Raiders, but I, I don't have that confidence. I don't know. I think, I mean, I'm a little, it's definitely got to be concerning for Mark Davis as far as Versace's future. When you look at this team, like Derek Carson, they were flat. I said they're tight, but the last two weeks they have not looked prepared to come out and win the game, which I think is very alarming. So that's why I will not be picking them to win the game Thursday, but I will pick them to cover the spread. All right, Ted, you got to bring us home with your prediction. We need research. What research have you done to help deliver this prediction? Uh, unfortunately, no research done quite yet. But what, what, I, I, can um, we can we get I, like turkey legs consumed uh, to uh, <laughs> Cleveland furl sacks? What what what's the ratio there? I'm I'm gonna have to look this up afterwards. But the turkey leg thing could could be legit. I told myself I'm never picking the Raiders at least this season to to beat a team with a winning record if they lose to the Bengals. So I have to stick to my promise. And yeah, I, I just don't see them being able to do some sort of offensive upheaval in four days. So I think the Cowboys are going to come in banged up. So I don't think they score over 30 points, but uh, I could see them scoring 27 and Raiders scoring 14. So 27, 14. All right. You went one point under, I went the 28, 14, you got the 27, 14. So that's going to be big. Uh, it's going to come down to that PAT in the fourth quarter to uh, decide which one of us uh, nails the pick, but all right, guys, that'll wrap up our post-game edition of State of the Nation and our preview of the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving. Uh, Vic and Tashawn get to enjoy Jerry Jones' spread on Thursday, and uh, hopefully, you know, I, I think he always puts out a nice spread for you better than what uh, Will Kiss is hooking you up with over there at the Raiders. But uh, uh, all right, uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, I think our episode will post on Friday morning talk about the Raiders taking on the Cowboys and in honor of Black Friday and Cyber Monday you can get all of the Athletics great writing and podcast for just $1 a month for 12 months starting at 2 p.m. on Monday you can go to theathletic.com slash state of the nation to lock in our very best price of the year the offer ends at midnight on Monday November 29th just $1 a month for new to subscribers you can read all of Ted Wynn's research all of Vic's phenomenal picks as he will help make you money 
and all of Tashan's great writing. Jimmy's back to podcasting drunk. <laughs> we are, uh, we're having fun here, but no, we can read all, all of our, check out all the great coverage, all the podcasts, all the writing and everything. And uh, we'll be back after the Raiders take on the Dallas Cowboys. Talk to you guys later. Happy Thanksgiving. I think there's a little bit of a warm sensation on his bum right now, probably, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>